<laughs> Live from Koreatown, everybody. Put the cameras on me. Shout out to Twizzy Twitch. Coming with the hot ozone theme song. That's nice. That's a, he's in love with the dream. That's a heat rock right he's there. He's in love with the lies. Is it a heat rock? It's a heater. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. We are live in the ozone and we are in Koreatown. And we're hot on the mic because we are here to talk to you about the goings on of this past week, primarily this past weekend in the world of sports. I'm here with my brother, Terry Miller. Also known as the Icons with the Z. How you feel? I'm coming in smooth right now. Ooh. KJLH. KJLH on, on, on your FM dial. What's your call letters? Uh, let's well, go with Ozone. <laughs> K-O-Z-N-E. <laughs> so, a uh, lot of stuff going on, but we're only going to focus on a few things. All right? We're going to focus on uh, uh, some controversial endings this weekend in the world of boxing. We have a few tragedies, actually, in the world of fighting that I feel like we need to discuss. We got a couple special guests coming on, uh, NFL players, a giant vegan, which I'm very excited to figure out because I, I finally met somebody who's bigger than me who's a vegan. That's surprising. It's very young, surprising. It is. We got young TJ Barnes standing on by, uh, standing online for a hold for us. And we got a lot of rumor mills wandering around the NBA. Wow. A lot. It's a lot going on. Ooh, that's because that's the the repercussions of that loss. That L is real. That L is real. And that's what I love about sport. It makes people respond immediately. Yes. It makes people respond, and we'll see if the crusher no can delay, respond. No hesitation. And speaking of L's, man, my wow, have the mighty have fallen. The mighty have fallen in the, in the National League, the American League East. Sorry, folks. I'm, I'm so excited. I can't even get it out, people. The American League East, the Yankees on a six-game losing streak, and the Red Sox are on that tail. We're going to see what happens. But first and foremost, let's talk about what went down in Las Vegas this weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, did you see that fight? We told you it was going to be a great fight, and that's exactly what it was, was a great fight. It was for the light heavyweight championship. It was a rematch between Sergey the Crusher Kovalev and Andre Ward, the champion, now number one pound for pound on most lists. Right. Now, the fight was predicted on the Ozone to be Ward late and to be Kovalev early. Right. And I don't know if that was correct, to be honest, because it all depends on the perspective that you had. I think that actually it was Ward's early work that, that actually made it Ward late. Right, but he didn't throw as many punches, and no, you know, and a lot of people felt he like meaning he, Ward, yes, and he, and a lot of people felt like he was losing at that point. I didn't personally feel like he was losing because I knew that the damage that he was doing to his body and Kovalev didn't look like he was really enjoying it. He <laughs> did the devastating body work, yeah, and he sold out to the body. And if you sell out to the body like that, it makes a big difference later, to, you know, later on in the fight. And it was strategy, yeah, it was strategy completely. And and what I saw was I saw Kovalev actually falling. Not from uh, necessarily superiority of the other man's skill, per se, but to the other man's IQ. Right. It was role reversal completely because Ward turned into the power puncher and Kovalev was out there popping jabs. The jab is not your game. You're, you're, the jab is his game to a certain degree, but it sets up big rights. Yeah, but his game is to put people to sleep. And yeah, you, and that gets set up with the jab, though. If and you don't I, have nobody, you can't let nobody. He can't sure breathe. Can't. And, and, and the other side was Kovalev, who has stated that he does all of his own training. He has a corner man and a cut man, but he does his training. He's his own trainer. And that seems to be a problem now. That's a problem because he finally met somebody and somebody with a very strong team in Andre Ward and Virgil Hunter who actually crafted a strategy from his conditioning to if you watch those specials that they run on HBO before, mm -hmm. you see that that literally 
he had his trainer and his his strength and conditioning coach craft a plan for him to literally be able to execute the strategy. Now, obviously, they didn't reveal that prior to the fight. But what you come to find was the strategy was was to knock him out, was to leave no doubt yes. because of the controversial ending in the first fight to leave no doubt about who was the better fighter. And now we have no doubt about who is the better fighter. Yeah, but I was just listening to someone earlier crying on the radio about... Were they crying? Literally. Let me guess. Oh, why? Why? The icons have a thing today for some reason where he keeps... <laughs> everybody he talks to, he puts on this voice. Oh, the Yankees need to bring up Chase. Bring oh. Chase Adams. <laughs> I don't know why he goes into that mode. Yeah, but the, the the people were crying that, you know, Kovalev had so many, you know, he received so many low blows. So let's get into that controversy. Now, what do you think about the blows? That's not a controversy. Roy Jones actually got it right this time. I feel like Roy Jones was on point. Kovalev had pulled up his strap to, over his navel. Come on, man. He pulled out his strap? He had to <laughs> calm down, dude. <laughs> he had it's, just a, it's just a fight. You're saying he pulled, he pulled his shorts. Yeah, he, he pulled, pulled his, his shorts up, up, trunks up over his navel. And you can't, I mean, and there's a screenshot, by the way, that's running around Twitter of Tony Weeks, the referee, pointing to saying at the beginning, at the opening faceoff, saying right here is good. And that was on the, the belt. For me, it was a way for Kovalev to be irresponsible. It was a microcosm of society because he wanted to throw it on somebody else. He can't say that he lost. So it's easier for him to Preach. say, it's easier for him to say Preach. that, oh, well, you know what? Uh, the the crybaby voice. Go ahead. Give it to him. <laughs> he, he deserves it this time. <laughs> yeah, because you got body work. The body work body was work. real. And you, and, were looking for, uh -huh, and you were looking for help from the refs. That's not, I felt like Andre Ward let him off the hook a couple of times because he could have kept going. He looked at the ref because Kovalev was looking for help. Keep going, pound that dude's body because he did not enjoy it. Well, and let's hear what Andre Ward himself had to say about that because I actually, I agree with you and I agree with the champ. Um, but the, again, y'all, like, we're going to talk low blows. We're going to talk rabbit punches. We can't talk We can't talk one without the other. And I honestly feel like his was intentional because he doesn't really know how to fight inside. That's the best thing he can do. You know, um, I didn't intentionally try to hit that man low. Things happen. I wasn't in trouble. I didn't need to foul. Like there was no reason for me to intentionally foul. You just gotta look at the logic in that. Sometimes something's gonna get away from you. But just because he has a reaction like that doesn't mean it was low. It means that he didn't like the body work. He didn't like the body work, and that's why I didn't follow up the first time when I had him bent over because I didn't know how. To, like I didn't. I know he was trying to sell it, and I'm looking at Weeks like, is he buying it? <laughs> and Weeks didn't respond, and he would jump in and he pulled back. So I, you know, I was in a tough spot, but. This is boxing, man. You know, like I told you guys, I won by 12 rounds and somebody had something to say, oh, it was kind of boring, I fell asleep. Okay, man. Then I had a close fight. Well, people say it's controversial. And then we, we come back after the controversy and do this, and we talking low blows. But it comes with the territory, man. I'm thankful, I appreciate all you guys. And uh, we did it. We did it. Hey, listen, just a couple of quick, quick and he kept it 100. Say, this is Oakland. I mean, Oakland has usurped the city of Inglewood to be known as the city of champions. Come on, man. Wow. He's telling the truth, though. He is telling the truth. <laughs> and and Oakland being the city of champions is telling the truth because mm -hmm. the Warriors are the champs. Yeah. He's the champ, and they're calling him the number one pound for pound. And the San Francisco Giants are maybe the worst team in baseball. So we'll, <laughs> we'll leave them Almost. out of it. But... <laughs> I still can't, uh, you know, go with the the pound for pound thing. I just can't do it. No, wait, who you who you got at the time? Pound for pound. If I'm not going with Joshua, which I always go with the heavyweight champ, 
especially since he's undefeated and fought a great fight. And, you know, when he just fought Klitschko, I still would have to go with Triple G over him. I'm not particularly crazy about Andre Ward's style, but it's very, very effective. His boxing IQ is through the roof. And, and His boxing IQ is through the roof. Yeah, and he makes adjustments like he should. And like he said on fight night, I'm not the most, you know, athletic he or any it, of that. Which you is know, beautiful. I'm just more, basically, I'm more intelligent. And it's not a Floyd. And he does the work. Yeah, and it's not a Floyd fight. He's not running. He's no. not doing any of that. He's out there putting in work. Yeah, and getting work. And getting work. He's willing to, to take some, to give, to give some. Yeah. So you can't, you know, Kovalev, honestly, to me, he loses respect more so than anything because he's trying to find excuses and instead of saying, you know what, I got beat. This guy really put it, brought it the fight to me, and he can't just accept that. Well, and the other thing is on that clip, thanks to uh, fighthype.com for that clip. Um, on that clip, he continues to say, because they asked him about a third fight, and he said, yo, man, a third fight makes no sense. He said, you guys can say whatever you want to say, but in real life, it could have got ugly. It's better that they stopped it because he wasn't going to recover from that body work, and in the next round, it could have got ugly, so they really probably did both of us a favor. Which is a, just a classy response. He's great because as a Christian, as the son of God, you know, with as his moniker, uh -huh. he really conducts himself in a high class. And this is something that we've been seeing lately in boxing, which I hope really resonates with the fans because you saw it from Klitschko in defeat. You saw it from Joshua in victory. You saw it from him. But now, this is you don't see it from clowns like Adrian Broner right. after a fight. You don't see it from all these people when they make it racial. Uh, I'm a can man. The Mexican can get it. A China man can get it all this kind of nonsense well i think let's keep it classy san diego yeah but i think that this is personally for me i think that this is where uh the fans don't accept it because it's a backlash on him just because he keeps it positive in a sense because he didn't go to the, the low road he kept it positive, i agree you know and and the fans are backlashing on him because he didn't i mean the guy has been a class act he never broke character or done he's hasn't done anything out of line and he beat the guy, and he gave him great props, and he keeps it pushing. What do you want from him? You want him to act like an animal? He did his job. We got somebody on the line who'd like to gloat about his prediction because he finally got something right. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you can find him on Twitter at Next Victim. What's up, Next Victim? I'm chilling, trying to sit in the shade, drink some lemonade while it's 108 outside out here. Woo, John Blaze. Well, we're going to make your interview quick. I want to play a clip of Kovalev's assistant trainer on what he said went wrong in the fight, and then we'll have a quick conversation about exactly what it was that you saw happen. All right? All righty. Kovalev is just a puncher. He's just a puncher? He's just a puncher, man. Okay, okay. He ain't no thinker. You don't think Kovalev is a thinker? Oh, okay. Hey, well, hey, Now that was Don Turner explaining why Kovalev lost. They caught him right afterwards in the bowels of the arena. And this they traitor. said, That's a, this is his assistant trainer, this corner man. But see, this is the thing. Kovalev made it very clear he's his own trainer. And this is a problem because he has to recognize his, his, his inefficiencies. He has to say, you know what? I don't want to answer to anybody. And that's the number one problem. But it's never happened before. So if you're looking at the situation, what was he, 32 and 1 before yeah. this fight? And he didn't feel like he lost the first fight, which I can understand. The problem is he didn't understand the magnitude of the intelligence of Son of God coming out of there and saying, I'm fighting a different fight. You don't have a team, so you're going to come out and fight the same fight. <laughs> right. And that's a problem. Now, what did you see to happen next, Victim? I've seen the first three rounds. first three rounds, there was a lot of bullying and tussling going on, and I thought more that Kovalev was, was you know, doing that part of the, the fight. 
And then after that, Andre Ward made his adjustments just like in the first fight. Once he made his adjustments, he landed one solid punch in that fourth round, and it was like, okay, I, I have my distance. Now I can just wear his body out. The body work, as I predicted, if you go to the body work, it will chop him down. Now, I didn't, you know, predict that um, Ward would win. I was kind of, you know, just equal on both sides. Well, you said and SOG. Yeah. We can run the tape back. You said you were with SOG. He, he it, was, he took it. it was more with your heart. Yeah, you were taking him, but you yeah. but you did claim SOG. Yeah, I, I roll with him if he fought that fight. By, by and he fought that fight. Yeah, he sure and did. he fought that fight. And that was just, you know, impressive, very impressive. And is he the pound for pound? I do. I, I can't say yes. Is he a great fighter? Yes. We know yeah. he's a great fighter. Yeah. And now one thing that I want to bring up is Andre Ward gets to show his greatness now because Andre Ward has enough of the spotlight and the right promoter in Rock Nation to fight consistently. We haven't seen Andre Ward consistently in the ring since the Super 6 tournament. And that's when he got established as being great. That's when Brand Jordan said, you know what? This guy is the next winner. And that's why they picked him up. He had all those problems with his management. He had all those problems not being able to get in the ring because of contract disputes and this, that, and the other, and so on and so forth. That I think there was a little bit of ring rust even in the first fight against Kovalev, which got knocked out. And got knocked off when he got knocked down. And I think that now you saw him fight on a standard fighter schedule where he fought in November. Now he's fighting again in June. And now I'm sure he'll fight again once before the year is over. And he's going to be the Andre Ward that I always claimed that he was. Like I said, SOG is a friend of mine. And he's always cool whenever I've met him and talked to him. It's always Bay Love. It's town business. Yeah, he's always been a good guy. I was concerned going into this fight, and I'm happy that there was no reason to be concerned. I mean, he got work. Don't sleep. He got hit, and he got hit a bunch. Looked like he had a mouse forming under his eye early. Yeah, I was almost closed. Really was. was. But this is where corner did excellent work, and and because after the fight, you couldn't even see the mouse under the eye. How about that? Yeah, but you know what? This so, is where, where I disagree with you a little bit, Next Victim, because one of the reasons why is because I feel like Andre Ward came out and executed his game plan from jump. It wasn't even like a hesitation. He knew that he was going to have to take some punishment to get to him. He sold out on the body, and he knew that it was going to pay off in the end, in the long run. He didn't look at the short-term picture because he established the right hook out the box, the right cross. He came out and hit him solid on his chin. He knew that he didn't have enough power to knock him out with a one one hitter quitter. Right. But he, you can't square anybody up better than he squared him up in the eighth <laughs> round with that right. Right. And that so, was like the, the that was like Again, the equivalent of that Klitschko of that Joshua uppercut. Oh, wow, you go that far. It and it didn't even that. and that Joshua uppercut didn't even knock Klitschko out with one punch. That's my yeah, point. Yeah, that's true. You know, so I felt like he executed his game plan. They executed his game plan from jump. And even when you listen to Virgil in the corner, he was saying, hey, we, we, we're we doing it. You know, he's Stay saying. with the body. Yeah, yeah. Know, open up. Yeah. Can you tell yeah, me why Virgil what... Hunter was wearing his sunglasses at night <laughs> yeah. in the arena? That's all I want. <laughs> stunners. Stunners. <laughs> stunners. So I can. <laughs> he got his, put your stunner shades on. Put your stunner shades on. Gas break. <laughs> for the bang. He had to do it for the bang. He had to do it for the bang. <laughs> Uh, it worked. Yeah. What he told him is, is you can't see me. That's what he was saying. <laughs> you can't yeah. even see me. Virgil Hunter is, I don't know if he's underrated as a trainer, but 
He did an excellent job. He did an excellent job. He did an excellent job crafting the game plan, and he did an excellent job of of getting Andre Ward in the mindset of what he needed. Now, I thought he did a poor job after the sixth round. He told Andre or the seventh round that he'd won every round. Yeah, that wasn't right. That that's not good. <laughs> you that you did right. not win every round, here. brother. But he was winning. Right, and and he, he was winning on two cards. cards. He was winning. winning. Score, and he was winning on two cards. Yep. 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 And that's but going into it, the eighth. He's winning on two cards because. Um, Kovalev's trainer, I, I like the dude, but if you can't if you can't establish your boxer to get in there and and run the plan as you know from the very beginning, but this is but what you're you saying. Not this have control of that box. This Listen, is what you no, do not have no, control. Of. No, he doesn't have control, and that's evidenced by Kovalev saying he's just here. Yes, he holds the mitts. Right, he wraps my hands. I do the training. And I do the planning. And I do the planning. And my plan is always the same. (laughs) And it's worked for 32 fights. So you can't front on him. Now we'll see if the crusher can make any adjustments or if he's going to continue to send out racist tweets and kind of imply there's some sort of racism going on. After the fight, you know, he kept saying, oh, this is not son of God. He's son of judges, which is ridiculous because realistically, even if they were low blows, you need to take a knee or whatever it is you need to do. You can't just double over and expect for nothing, expect, you know, for the best. Yeah, and he has to accept responsibility because basically he stopped fighting. He stopped twice. He stopped yes. fighting. He stopped twice. fighting. More, more than right. once. And his fans so, are like, well, they should have gave him eight count. No, he should have stopped. No. He, if he should have took a knee or he should have kept fighting. If now, what, gonna, now, what I will say, though, I, I tell but, you this. The referee stalled him out, and Andre Ward stalled him out. You didn't exactly. hear the clip. That's yeah. what we were talking. That's he what Andre Ward said Floyd after the Mayweather. fight. Yeah. He could have Floyd. He could have got a piece of that Floyd Mayweather if he would have. If the referee and Andre Ward wasn't cool, he could have gave him that Victor so, Ortiz and just dope fiend him. But yeah. uh, but but SOG and this is what we were talking about. SOG is a class act, and it shows that that man knows how to conduct himself in and out of the ring. He's a consummate professional, and he actually is a man of God. So he didn't try to take advantage, and that's what he said in the clip. He said, hey, look at the scorecards. Look at where we are in the fight. I have no reason to foul. Right. And he also brought up uh, uh, Kovalev hitting him with the rabbit punches, which he did. Yeah, and Kovalev should be ashamed of himself. A whole lot of the rabbit punches. Yeah, but You watched that fight. It was a whole lot of every time. And and Andre Ward was looking like, come on, ref, you know what's going on? He's dirty, but that's a fight. I'm not mad. I'm not even. I'm not even. It wasn't right, but I'm not mad. Right, but rabbit punches are way more dirty, dangerous than below the belt. Well, realistically, Kovalev should do more sit-ups is what I'm saying because he was very susceptible to body work at every turn. Yeah, early in the fight, late in the fight. Realistically, he should accept the fact that he quit, and that's worse than just straight out getting getting knocked knocked out. out. I agree. You quit now, now, but but. All that being said, I actually did not agree with the way that they ended the fight, personally. I did not agree with the idea of Tony Weeks just stopping the fight, even though he did quit. I agree with what you're saying. I give him an eight count, or I give him a... He he didn't even say, show me something. Are you okay? He didn't say nothing. This is a a championship fight. Now, in it being a championship fight, Kovalev shouldn't just quit. That's off the top. But also, there was no warning. There was no warning for low blows. And and yes, there were, a couple of those blows were low. But like I'm a, I'm with Andre Ward. They weren't low by design. It wasn't yeah. like, you know, all he had committed to was I'm going to punish the body. Yeah. 
and the dude well, bent over and doubled over. Yeah. So you're making yourself even more susceptible to the body. I'm not mad at the stoppage for the simple true. fact is that he wasn't fighting back. And I this if, is true. And if, I, point, and if I'm the ref and he's not fighting back, I have to do what's best for both fighters. Because he's not protecting and, himself. Because he's not protecting himself. Right. And now I have to protect he, him. Yes. And I can't say, well, I'm going to protect you for a few seconds. You taking a knee. You almost taking a knee on your own. But you, you should have I mean? taken yeah, a knee. But he should have taken a knee. We've seen that completely took the knee. We've right. seen that a few you times this year. Bowed out. This year, he should have uh, just bowed out. No, he shouldn't have bowed no. out. He should have took a knee and got himself together. Get him a standing eight. Because then, if he takes a knee, he has ten seconds to get the wind back in him. Looked like he got the wind knocked out of him, and it was that thing like happens when you were a little kid and somebody knocked the wind out. <laughs> you like. <laughs> You have to start crying. Except, except they never stop punching you. You're They never stop because we're little boys and you just get hurt. Freaking bread basket. You didn't do enough sit ups. You, you didn't do enough sit ups. You need some more work in the, yeah. on, on that sit up bar. But you can't go so around blaming everybody really else. Quick. Let me ask you guys this real quick. Now, the boxers are the ones that we're going to see, the trainers are the trainers. So, with this being said, Kovalev is bigger than his trainer. Do, do most boxers have, do they consider themselves bigger than the trainers or do they work with the trainer and say, okay, we're at equal level? Most successful above. boxers, most successful boxers are a part of a team. Just like in any successful. Just like in any successful organization. Now the boxers and tennis players and so on and so forth, these are individual sports. So that while you're in the ring, while you're out there on the tennis court, while you're playing golf, you're the only one who can execute or not execute. But you have a team of people to help you put together a plan so that you can execute and win collectively. Obviously, you make the most money, you get the glamour and so on and so forth, but you see it time and time again. You see it like with Manny Pacquiao and Freddie Roach. There's a father-son, there's a paternal relationship. A bond. There's a bond there. Manuel with, Stewart, Hearns, you got Manuel Stewart and Lennox Lewis. Look at how Manuel Stewart yeah. took took Lennox Lewis to the next level, took Vladimir, yeah. uh, Vitaly Klitschko to the next level. Look at, what's his name? Look at Muhammad Ali. <laughs> but look at Muhammad Ali and Angela Dundee. Come on, man. Come on, man. You're not going to beat those two guys together. It works. If you execute my game plan the way that I explained it to you, if you execute it, we'll win. And if we don't, then I wear it just like you wore it. Exactly. You just might wear it in public, but I still feel bad about it. And that's if the bond is real. Right. If the bond is real. Look at Floyd and Roger. Yeah. Come on, man. But when you talk about a guy who says, I'm going to do everything, okay, he's an eye guy, now you pay for it because when you... Yeah. He's used to just being stronger and better. Yeah. Now you found somebody who's actually on your level or above, obviously now, and you weren't able to make the adjustments. A little guy. A little dude, which is even more on the machismo tip, which is even more upsetting. Right. <laughs> now, one of, the things that, one of the things you talked about, Next Victim, is that I've, I felt like Andre Worf on the last fight had already knew his range. And I think that one of the things that when we were watching the fight, I was explaining to O was is that Andre Ward stayed inside of his power. And, and that negated a lot of what he had going. Yes and no. Because to me, and Andre Ward at the beginning of that interview, I suggest you guys go over and find that on YouTube. At the beginning of that interview, what he says is, listen, you guys keep asking me the same questions. Yes, he's very simple. He's trying to land a big right hand and he's trying to land it off some jabs. But I'm here to tell y'all, he's really good at what he does. So that it's difficult to take that away from him. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is Kovalev is actually, I think, I don't agree with his 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 trainer there. He is a boxer because he, he has a jab. It's not like he's just walking around head on. He has a jab, 
that establishes the big right. But I'm with next victim on this one. Andre Ward ate a lot of punishment with the jab and he some sure headshots in the first three rounds. Sure did. And then, sure just did. like he always does, which is what makes him great, he found his range. He found yeah. his range. He adjusted. And he he's tried to get inside his power early. I didn't think that that worked so well because that's when Kovalev, being the bigger man, started to bully him a little bit. Then what he started doing was using his footwork. We saw excellence in boxing because he moved without running. You know, yeah. he he was side to side. He was going back and at times yeah, when at it was time, effective. Yeah, and when it was effective and, because and even when he was moving side to side, he was still landing punches. He was still landing punches, he and was also still landing punches. And, and also, he exploited Kovalev for not being able to cut off the ring. Yes. Kovalev chased him, which used way too much energy. I, I disagree, though, because I don't feel like Kovalev is a complete fighter because Roy Jones called it out as well. He doesn't have a left hook. and, and he, that, wasn't, he had it before. He wasn't throwing it in this fight. Well, he took it away from him, though, and that's, that's a big piece because if you know how to do that to a fighter to take away one of his big weapons, whether no matter what sport it is, if you no doubt. Take, just like the Patriots take away your best weapon or whatever, you could take away the best weapon that you have, or not, maybe not the best weapon, but something that makes you really more effective than what you use are then it makes a big difference and he could never make the he couldn't make the adjustment inside of the fight and that's because he didn't have a coach that he actually listens to even if his coaches tell him yay this isn't working this is working he's got the hard head so he's saying no i'm gonna do it this way no you know what i'm gonna knock him out and that was what he committed to than my coach i'm better than my coach at that point it's like my coach don't know nothing i'm the one that's in the ring let me fight. I, and I think that Kovalev was so angry and so I agree. bitter I agree with that. Andre Ward in the last fight that he just lost complete focus of and everything so. around him. And, and rightfully so, in my opinion, because he was the champ and they took his belt. Worst case scenario, that first fight should have been a draw. Yeah, I have to. I went back roll. and watched it again. I have to roll. I have to roll with that. Yeah. But, but, and, I, and I'm SOG all day, all night. Yeah. Everybody knows. But Andre Ward actually seemed to me to be the stronger fighter the other night. I agree. He, he, he actually, when they were doing that, all that infighting and everything, he actually moved the crusher around, which is not acceptable and for the crusher. Weird too, though, because in the first fight, we were there. Luckily, I was able to get a seat by y'all nasty dudes. But we were there. <laughs> but <laughs> Kovalev looked so much bigger in the last fight in this fight i don't know if he came down you know with some of the i don't think he came muscle. down i think that what happened is is that you've had six months for a grown man to actually settle into an extra we're only talking about eight pounds here mm -hmm. we're talking about seven eight pounds now on a guy my size seven or eight pounds you wouldn't even notice i fluctuate in that amount during the day depending on right. if i'm hydrated or not on a guy that's a finely tuned athlete that's at 168, that seven or eight pounds of muscle that he put on since November, since that fight, came to play, and he sat on it sat on his body properly. Somebody on Twitter pointed that out to me as well, which was, I thought, a very good point. Yeah. Because he didn't move slower because of his weight. I think Andre Ward was stronger. He came in with a better game plan. He actually. Yeah, he was just stronger. Yeah, and I'm mentally and physically. Yeah. Because he figured it yeah. out the last fight. That it's that just like Ellie Setback said, this was round 13 as opposed to round one of a new fight. Exactly. And unfortunately, Kovalev didn't do anything to make it round one of a new fight. He didn't do homework. His homework, no research. Because he, uh, he, he was so angry, so bitter. He was angry he man. Was so, right. He was angry. He just forgot how to box. 
he knew he was. I don't going think to he forgot how to box. He was trying to pop the jab. It's just that what he was doing, because he even squared up Andre Ward a few times, and Andre Ward was able to take the punch. Whereas in the first fight, Andre Ward was getting bounced all around the ring with he was jabs. Afraid. He was afraid though, too. Yeah, but also his weight wasn't physically settled on him up. So his balance wasn't off, and you had the fact that he hadn't been fighting consistently as far as the ring rust goes. He had a couple tune-up fights, but they weren't you know, to the caliber of somebody like Crusher. Mm-hmm. And so then now you're talking about a guy who is at the top of his game, who is in rhythm, in stride, and he's already figured you out. You got problems on your hands. You got problems. You got problems. A better yeah. athlete. Better athlete. All right, next victim. Appreciate you. And, All uh, right, y'all. Have a good one. We'll wrap with you soon. Stay hydrated. Late. No doubt. Next victim. Got one right. That Joker finally got one right. Now, the other thing that I wanted to talk about on that card was that controversial finish between Rigandal and Ooh, excuse me. That controversial finish between Rigandal and Moises Flores. Did you see that? No, I did not see that. Remember, I was trying to make my way to the fight. Okay, so there was a controversial finish. Oh, we got another caller, it looks like. Oh, look at this. We got a special guest that's interested in getting on. Let's see what he's talking about. Hold on one second. Ladies and gentlemen, from TMZ Live, we got young Van Lathan. What's happening, brother? <laughs> What's up, man? Man, that's you live in the ozone. You uh, live in oh, the intro on me, baby. I'm trying to give you life out here. Just like that <laughs> fight gave us all life this weekend. Talk mm-hmm. to me. How did you feel? Okay, now how did you feel about the controversial stoppage? I like the stoppage, and I'll tell you why. There's really only two types of stoppages that you have in boxing, right? You have the oh my god, why didn't the ref get in there sooner stoppage? And you have the oh that might have been a little bit too soon stoppage. And I think we got a little bit of the latter, I think. In that round, I would have scored that a 10-8 round. I think Ward was clearly dominating him, and the, the end of the fight was coming. And when you look at a guy, if he's not defending himself, then you stop the fight. That's normally how it goes. This is exactly yeah. what we said. Exactly. You're on with my brother, too. You can't see him, but you're on with my brother, How's too. How's it going? What up, bro? You got it. Yeah, I, that's exactly what I said. He wasn't defending himself. He curled up. He went in the fetus position, yeah. and he didn't fight back. I mean, you, what do you want the, the ref to do? Yeah, I mean, at, at that point, what you're talking about is what the ref's job is. And the ref's job is there to obviously officiate the fight and make sure that everything's going to the rules of boxing. But it's also to make sure these fires don't get hurt. And anytime you set a precedent where a ref can't stop a fight because he thinks a boxer can fight through something, you set yourself up for a situation where someone really gets seriously hurt down the line. And in this situation, the guy's balled up. He's not defending himself. Fight's over. 100%. And you know what's a trip about that? After the fight... Andre Ward said exactly that. He said, listen, this was a good stoppage for multiple reasons, but one, because he wasn't going to recover from the body shot. Right. And, and, and in that non-recovery, next round, it could have got really ugly. And you right. could see he had the compassion of a winner and the class of a champion because what he did do, when he had him doubled over earlier in the round before that, he didn't continue to, to attack. He looked at the ref like, yo, are you yo, good? What's yeah, yeah. What, what's up? And, yeah. and what we surmise from that is, Kovalev was looking for an out. He was looking mm-hmm. for help from the ref, and ultimately he quit. And he doesn't right. want to accept the fact that he quit. It probably would have been better to just get knocked out, but he doesn't right. want to accept the fact that, hey, this was on you. I mean, listen, if you look at the fight, I think the second fight, the first fight, you know, was obviously a very tight and controversial decision. I think the second fight, the whole thing was interesting. Number one, I, people that watch that fight, man, Sergey Kovalev 
is an absolute monster. And you just did not see that in that fight. Andre Ward was so successful in blunting and muting Sergey Kovalev's power in that fight that it looked like he was just fighting a skilled jabber for a lot of it. Wow, was, that's great that, analysis. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a great way to put that. Yeah. And, 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 and to be honest with you, it, it, at, at the point that the fight was at, I think that Kovalev mentally, physically his body was shot, but I think mentally he was like, man, I'm touching this guy. Why isn't he going away like everybody else has? And so when you start to see him look to the ref, anytime a boxer looks to the ref, you know it's almost it's so going it's, the wrong it's, way. It's, it's a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things yeah. are going. It's, 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 it's you going ninety five south. M I A. Take it to the house. That's the way we take it to the house. Take it to the house. Take it to the house. Right. <laughs> I, I agree. Yeah. So you know, in that situation, I don't think that there was much left of the fight. And so because of that, I don't have any problem with the stoppage. The sad part about it is Kovalev is a, is a very superb fighter. He's a he's a he's a splendid fighter to watch. And I don't want to see a third fight between these guys, so I don't know what's left for him at 175 now that he's lost twice to Andre Ward. I I agree. Now, I think moving forward, there's a couple things to talk about there. Moving forward, Kovalev either has to go fight Adonis Stevenson Mm -hmm. and uh, – or Steven, sorry. And I think that the problem is we could be dealing with a situation like a Mike Tyson kind of situation where – Somebody has beat the man, which then in turn has taken the allure away from that man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and also what SOG did was he exposed the fact that Kovalev doesn't like to do enough sit-ups and the body is susceptible for punishment. Right. Right. And and Stevenson, for all of his weird antics and the, just the peculiar guy, is a absolute – he might be the only guy in the division with as much power as, as, as Kovalev. He's got has. crazy power. Yeah. Crazy power. So when you, when you look at that situation, if such a crucial flaw has been sort of exposed, you got to wonder how, how how he'll stand up against him. And then secondly, even if even if Adonis will take the fight, he's inactive and he doesn't really get in the ring that much. But that's the only thing that could save him. And then maybe if he gets that belt, that might be a reason for Ward to step in and fight him again. And that's what Ward said in the post fight. But realistically, if I'm Andre Ward, I don't I, I've proven everything I needed to prove against yeah. this man. Yeah, I wouldn't fight him again. I have no yeah. there's there's no upside for him to fight him again. None. None yeah. at all. None at you're all. Just a, you're just in the ring now with the guy who you've beaten twice and you've given him, what is it, twenty rounds or something of, of to try of to make an adjustment. Order. Right. So it, i wouldn't fight him again either. Not I, I don't think thing. there's anything there. Now as far as Andre Ward goes, uh where do you have him on the pound for pound list? Do you have him no. at atop the pound for pound list? Listen, if the pound for pound list is who do you think is technically the best boxer in the world, then Lomachenko is my number one on the town pound for pound list. If that that pound for pound list, but if the pound for pound list is right now the best, most accomplished fighter in the world, it can't be anybody other than Andre Ward. So this is yeah. where we this is yeah, where we we, we all disagree because one, I'm not mad at Lomachenko, but I think Lomachenko is overrated for a guy really? that has a yeah. guy that has nine fights Ooh. for everybody to be on him like that. Ooh. It's beautiful what he does, but you know what? He's been in there with a lot of subpar competition. Right. L- wow. Lomachenko's good, but okay. what once he runs through that division at that weight and maybe a little bit bigger, I want to mm-hmm. see him fight uh Tank Davis. I want to see him fight Tevin Farmer. There's a lot of guys right. down there that I want to see him fight. And realistically, right. the other fight that's going down, the fighter that's coming up is the Cuban, Guillermo Rigondeaux, who also yeah. had a controversial scenario that I was just telling my brother about. He didn't get to see the undercard because he was on his way to the fight, um, which was, I don't know, did you get to see that fight? 
I did see it. That was the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. But meaning that fight, as I tell you this, T, that fight was one round. So Rigondeaux, low key, you could put him at the top of the pound for pound list. And anybody who says oh. differently hasn't seen him fight. It's a oh, Cuban dude. His defense is his offense. He literally computes. He may compute faster in the ring than anybody I've seen in the last 10 years as wow. far as as far as making adjustments in the fight. Wow. That's in the fight. In the fight. In the last 10 years. I'm trying to tell you, in the fight, by the within three rounds of you doing something that's effective to him, it's taken away. It's dead in the water. It's not well, happening anymore. Well, listen, Freddie Rose said that Rigondeaux was the best fire he ever saw. How so, about them apples? So, 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 so Freddie Rose, but listen, we, I think you're taking a little bit away from Lomachenko. Lomachenko stood in front of the axe man, Nicholas Walter, and like he, you guys know how good Walter is. This is true. You got, this like, is true. Like, and he had destroyed everybody that they put in front of that weight class, and he blew him out. Made him look bad. I, made him look bad. I listen. I'm sold on Lomachenko. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sold on Terrence Crawford. If I'm looking at my top, my, my, my pound for pound top five. I think Crawford is amazing. I think Lomachenko is amazing. I think it's got to be Ward right now. Obviously, uh, Chocolatito had a setback. Um, and we'll see what happens with Alvarez and Triple G. That'll be figured out in a couple of months. But I, I think right now you, you have to put Andre Ward up there, man. He's earned it. Andre yeah. Ward's a stud, but at the end of the day, <laughs> Triple G, man, come on. Well, I'm not, I mean, and now Gennady is the homie. Literally, yeah. Gennady, we get Gennady on the line. But, but realistically, boxing's glamour division is back. And in yeah. real life, Pound for pound, if you put an extra 50 pounds on Triple G, on Rigondeaux, on anybody, don't none of them want to see that big fella that's stomping around London right now. Yeah. Nobody. Oh, no, no, Nobody wants to see Anthony Joshua. And, he's and so, and, and from what I've seen, that fight that he put on with Vitaly Klitschko, with, oh, sorry, with Vladimir Klitschko, yeah. realistically, he's the best heavyweight fight I've seen in about 25 years, 20 years or so. Wow. Who, you, you, give you, me a better you, fight in the last 20 years. Maybe not 25 years. You're talking about Evander Holyfield. You're talking about the real deal. You're talking about the deal. Not a better fight, but I'll give you a better heavyweight, Lennox Lewis, right? Lennox Lewis was so overrated. No, no, no. But but even with that, I'm talking about a better fight. I'm talking about that particular fight. Give me a fight since 1997. Maybe, I mean, since since Tyson Holyfield, because really those those Evander Holyfield, Riddick, both fights are all incredible. Right. Right. I mean, I got to be real with you. I got to be real with you. I'm 37. Um, I've never seen a better heavyweight fight than that one. Listen, like that was, and, and you and you're not you're not like saying nothing bad by saying that. Even right. with the great heavyweight fights, you got to go back to the heavyweight fights of the seventies to get right. that kind of a great right. amongst the big fellas. Because usually amongst the big guys, one hitter like that puts you to sleep. The fight's over. Yeah, yeah. What that type of drama, that type of storyline, a champ going out, a new champ coming in. Unbelievable. Like you don't get those. You don't get those type of opportunities very much. You know. Klitschko didn't want to give it up. Like Joshua had to go take it. That's he, boxing and right this, there. And, and he took this, it. And he took it. And this is actually why I wasn't mad at Sergey Kovalev after the first fight saying, look, man, he didn't take my belt. I knocked him down and I dominated the first half of the fight. Yeah, I ran out of gas, but I'm the champ and I need the respect right. of the champ. I can't front on that because actually that's how I feel about it as well. He just looked so bad that second half of that first fight. Well, he looked real yeah. bad in the eighth round of this fight. And it, <laughs> it didn't work out the right way. Fellas, I, I got a little dude right now named Harvey Levin begging for me to come in here and do another show. I got to run, man. But this was a lot hey, yo, of fun. All right, tell, tell Harvey I'm still going to give him a one-two for that lob that he gave Donald Trump. Tell the people where they can find you real quick signing off. Van, social media, tell people where they can find you. 
at Van Lathan on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, both of those, you can come hit me up. My brother, thanks for contributing. You are now a friend of the Ozone. Late. Appreciate you, dog. Great contribution in the Ozone. Yeah. I love it when people know what they're talking about. Right? He I, Almost. Lennox Lewis. <laughs> That's not almost. <laughs> Lennox Lewis wasn't a great champ. Lennox Lewis was a good fighter. He wasn't a great champ. I don't know about that. If you I mean, look who did he look at his record? You, who did he look, fight? If you look at the numbers, though, if you just look at the numbers, I'm, I'm going by quality of opponent, not not looking at numbers. Because you can say the same about Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson was a knockout artist, but he was not a great champion. I see. I don't agree with that either. Yeah, because but, who did he beat? Pinklin Thomas and Trevor Burbick and all who was there. He yeah. beat the crap out of Larry Holmes. How about that? Yeah, Larry Holmes was old too. And what do you want from Larry Holmes? All those old guys that he beat? I <laughs> yeah, mean, yeah. But then when he had to fight, when somebody stood up to the bully, he lost. I, I, I personally, especially now, feel like Mike Tyson is a great guy. But as far as being a great fighter, he wasn't a great fighter. Come on, man. He didn't have the complete package. When he got into the ring with somebody that. who was not afraid of him, they gave him a problem. They beat him. Well, he had losses late and, you know, in his career. I understand what you're saying. Trust me, I don't have him... At, in my top five or anything like that, but I can't say he wasn't a great champ. I also, with Lennox Lewis, if you look at Lennox Lewis's list, Lennox Lewis beat up Mike Tyson. Lennox Lewis beat up Evander Holyfield, even though they didn't No, that, that was a one and one because Lennox Lewis won that first one. He, he lo- did. And he lost the second one. I didn't think he lost yeah, the second and one. Then, and then with Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson was messed up and he wasn't the same fighter that nothing close to 20% of what he used to be. Hey, Mike Tyson would put him on all, his back. All he could do was fight who was there. Yeah, no, he could. He could should have, but he didn't because he ran for Riddick Bowe. Well, then there's that. Then there's that. But then because Big Daddy was a man back then. Big Daddy was, was a man back then. In, that's like Big Daddy told him. He ain't never been on his back. And he would have put him on his back because Lennox Lewis has a glass chin. Got knocked out by Oliver McCall. Come on, man. I don't, know if, I don't know if I, 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 never, I, don't know I if he never, got a glass chin because Vitaly Klitschko hit him hard and he didn't get knocked out yeah, that fight. That, oh, that dirty fight where he rubbed his dreads all in his face for for about Why three. are you so mad at Lennox Lewis? Nah. Yeah, you are. You, we're gonna run back the tape, to... and you'll see that. Then, All and then, right. And then when we see, and then when we see Lennox Lewis, I'm gonna tell oh, what's him up, exactly. <laughs> what's up, oh, what's up, fam? What's, what's up? up? What's happening? Let's go to Jamaica. Love. love. <laughs> Welcome to Jamrock. <laughs> then it'll be love. But but no, I I appreciate Van's contribution. This situation. Just let's let's get through this with Guillermo Rigandau. Uh, wow. So. Rigandau is like super next level, I'm telling you. And now what they're saying, so this is what happened. First round, he's fighting another undefeated guy, this guy named Moises Flores, who's way bigger and way longer than him. He comes out. He comes out in the traditional Mexican style. He's trying to swing and so on and so forth. He can't touch him. He can't find him. There's no chance, right? At the end of the round, it looked like Rigandau was like, okay, they tapped the thing. Ten seconds. I'm turning it on to make sure I win this round. Rigandau had his range. Started chunking him. Problem is, he held and hit a little bit. He lets him go. The bell rings. Both of them are still chunking him a good one and a half to two seconds after the bell. They're both still throwing combination. And Rigandau measured him up with a hook. The kid gets completely knocked out. Completely knocked out. And now, miraculously, and Roy Jones kind of intimated that the kid was faking because miraculously, after the, the bell, the knockout was complete, the kid came back to life. But the kid got knocked out completely. Huge scandal. The commissioner, the Nevada boxing commissioner had to get involved. They watched the replay. The Nevada commissioner said that there was a problem because he had gotten information from the HBO playback van saying that the punch was legal and before the bell when it was clearly after the bell. Now, it was was deemed that it was a legal knockout. The fight was over after one round. Now, today, 
they're saying that uh, he's going to have his first round knockout win uh, overturned and changed to a no decision. And this is a a very it sucks because Rigandow is you know he's eighteen and zero, got twelve knockouts, and really he's he's like one twenty two. They're talking about him fighting Chocolatito, which with Chocolatito would have to come up even more, which I think is a terrible idea after what we saw from Rungsvai. Yeah, and, and Chocolatito's going to get <laughs> get by Rungsvai coming up. How about <laughs> this? Rungsvai's coming back. The Empire Strikes Back. It's all in all great weekend for boxing. Uh, Once again, I claim that boxing is back. 2017 is a year for boxing going back. And there's one thing that I wanted to cover in that, which is terrible, is that the the ex-UFC fighter Tim Haig that came and fought in a boxing match, which we could see shades of coming up with Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor since it's now official, this guy just got put in a coma after his fight. He got knocked out, and now he died. This is boxing, man. This is the, a it's the only sport you don't play. Yeah, it's a dangerous, dangerous sport, and you can't come in there half stepping. And this is something that the fans are like running towards Conor McGregor now, thinking that a uh, wrestlers can beat a boxer. It's not real. I mean, and Floyd Mayweather, even though he's not a power puncher, can actually hurt you. Man, Floyd, Floyd Mayweather are lethal weapons. Floyd Mayweather, being as small as he is, can hurt big guys. You know, he can hurt two fifties. If I walked in, if I walked up to Floyd Mayweather talking reckless, and he felt like it, he could really give me some internal bodily damage. Yes, he's a professional. He is a weapon. He's a weapon. He's a weapon. And so when you <laughs> and if you catch him in the wrong scenario and you're not prepared, he's a weapon of mass destruction. Yes. And so this guy came in into an arena that he's not familiar with and actually lost his life, which is terrible. It's a, it's really sad. Prayers go out to him and his family. It's just unfortunate. Well, moving on in the ozone, moving on on the list, let's talk about the rumor mills that are popping off now that the Golden State Warriors are the champions. We're now seeing rumors that it's not even a rumor. One thing that I really admire is that PG-13, Paul George out in Indiana, the star of the all-star of the uh, Indiana Pacers, has come out to the team and said, hey, look, I want to play in L.A. I'm going to opt out after next season. So do what it is that you guys need to do, which to me is a really, really classy move. And he deserves a lot of credit for that, in my opinion. I don't agree. Really? I, I feel like these guys, the, the league needs to get a hold of this because these guys are pretty much doing, if if they, if the owners did what these guys are doing, then everybody would be screaming bloody murder. They're colluding. He outwardly came out and said that he wanted to play for the Lakers. I don't think that that's acceptable. Has he been talking to somebody from the Lakers? What makes him want to come and play with the Lakers when they don't even have anybody to play with? So What makes him want to play with the Lakers is he's from Los Angeles. Yeah. So but, so are you you're you're implying a Trump Russia collusion scenario I'm yeah, saying here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going with the, with the hot cheeto on this one. Um because they shouldn't be able to set their own you know teams that they're going to i can understand if you are a free free agent he's not a free agent he's making this decision on his own and he's outright coming saying that i want to play for the lakers say that in free agency don't say that while you're still property of the indianapolis of indiana now the other (laughs) just straight slave (laughs) now now the other now the other side of that is he's telling the team what his intentions are so that they can execute a sign and trade for someone that they may be able to keep for long term and deal him off as a rental to someone else, a la Araldis Chapman for the Cubs. In comparison to saying it at the end, 
and making a big spectacle out of it and so on and so forth, and the team gets nothing for him. But that could be internal. You don't have to let that out to the public. He's tweeting it and everything else. That that lets everybody know that he's out there on the market and he wants to go play for the Lakers. So he's he, single and ready to mingle, dude. <laughs> I see that. So he needs to go on, what is that? Little, Tinder. Yeah, little little Tinder action. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but see, this is the new world. I feel like this is the new world. Very, I don't feel like it's to, acceptable. It's hard to keep anything internal nowadays. You know, it's hard to keep anything inside. Now, what what hasn't uh, what wasn't a secret, which I think is actually the biggest trade in all of basketball, is is that Jerry West is leaving the Warriors and he's heading to Los Angeles to to help out the Clippers. There may be a silver lining in the losing side of the Clippers organization because there is not an accident that championships follow Mr. Jerry West. Yeah, it's not an accident at all. And but that guy's a winner. One of the things Chris Paul is trying to get out of LA, they said. That's right. Let me tell you something. If Jerry West comes and Jerry West is actually the general manager and is no longer Doc Rivers, anybody can leave and, and anybody can come because everybody in the league knows Jerry West assembles winners. Sure does. I can't say enough about the guy. And then he also knows what the weaknesses of the Golden State Warriors are from watching them. So it gives because them the leg put up. Them together. This is what I'm saying. Yeah. So so it helps them get the leg up. And he also knows what the weaknesses of the Clippers are from the Warriors pounding the Clippers over the past few seasons, despite even having somewhat equal talent. Yeah, the weakness of the Clippers are that they're weak. <laughs> they're terrible. That's pretty obvious. Thank you, Captain Obvious. Thanks. The weakness of the Clippers are is they're weak. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm here for. I'll be here all Monday. <laughs> All right. Well, you got any other rumors in the basketball world? This is the biggest rumor of them all because PG. PG? Yeah, because PG might go to the Cleveland Cavaliers, and that's very, very big. That's huge. That's a three-piece. That's 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 the three-piece that you need. That's a direct effect of the super team in Golden State. And now you've gone from everybody in the league establishing super teams, as you so eloquently pointed out, literally to stop LeBron James. Yes. To now he's making an adjustment. To say, you know what? Okay, watch what happens when I get some help. And do you think that those teams could beat that three? That three is bananas. You, Kyrie, Paul George, and LeBron James, and us, and 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 the guys you here can throw in the studio. In any of these other guys, yeah, I agree. I, I mean, mean because is, uh, you don't need as much from J.R. Smith. You don't need as much from Iman Shumpert. You can get rid of Kyle Korver because the real Kyle Korver showed up. You well, can, he can't play defense, though. They knew that going he in. He couldn't even shoot. Yeah. Forget about playing defense. He couldn't hit open jumpers. Kevin That's Love was okay. I think the only problem with Kevin Love was that he was inconsistent more yeah. so than anything. I agree with that. I wonder if there's some sort of nagging injury. And then what I want to know is, do you get Bogut back? Because getting Bogut is a very big deal if Bogut is any sort of semblance of himself. Well, they're going to get Bogut back, and they're going to have the big man to clog up the middle. I mean, they had him for a total of one minute. <laughs> yeah, that's terrible. One minute? Are you kidding? Unbelievable. That's just unbelievable. And he's a game changer. He sure is. He changed the game when he went out, whether it was his workout, him being out of shape, his father being a problem nowadays for these organizations to push the, the, the you know push the trigger on the signing. What do you feel about this situation in the NBA and where it stands with the draft scenario? The draft scenario is very, very interesting because these guys, these teams trading up, means that they really have a lot of interest in that that uh, the, the kid, Fultz. I mean, oh, yeah, um, he's, a, he's a hot property. Lonzo Ball, not so much. I think that a lot of people are trying to use that as some kind of a smoke screen or whatever. I really don't personally think that the Lakers want him like everybody's playing. I think it's a decoy for them to get actually get somebody else, you know, and maybe make a guy pick earlier. Now, what they did say that the Lakers are doing is trying to get two number one picks which would be interesting and crucial. So they probably have interest in him. I just don't think they have interest in Alonzo Ball as a number one. 
Interesting. Yeah, and I think that they were very disappointed. It sounded like they were very disappointed in, in his conditioning. And I don't think they didn't come off like that was a smokescreen. It yeah. seemed like they were actually disappointed yeah. in his condition. Yeah. I don't think that his father's as much problem as everybody makes it out to be. I mean, I know he's loud and everything else, but in the NBA arena, so what? Nobody's going to hear him anyway. Well, I mean, as long as he's banned from actually being in practice. Yeah. Now we got a caller on the line. Here he is. He's ready to go. He's an NFL player. TJ Barnes, live in the Ozone. How you feeling? I'm doing good. How about you? Man, it ain't nothing wrong with me, big fella. I woke up on the right side of the dirt, and I'm standing tall and looking good, blessed by the best. <laughs> I understand that. Yeah, man, I'm here. This is my brother, uh, uh, Terry Miller, known the as the Icons. Man, we're here. We're, we're, we are friends uh, with your man, Anthony, at the Brand Architects, and he speaks so highly of you. We wanted to get you on and speak about some of the peculiar goings-on in the NFL and in your career. Of course. I'm going to go ahead and shoot your questions, you know. First and foremost, you may be the first person that I've met that's bigger than me that's a vegan. What's happening with that? Well, uh, one of the big I seen I wanted to do like a lifestyle change, and I really didn't know what it was. And I seen um, one of the rappers I used to do I used to do security for in college, uh, Waka Flocka. He had changed to be a vegan. I was like, what? Oh, wow. Waka Flocka's I, a vegan, huh? Wow. Right. And so I, I seen that, and I seen the effects that it had. He was just tired of always breathing hard and not having a lot, like a lot of energy. So he just made a, a lifestyle switch. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that on. And I just seen, like, the, the effects that it had. I just, I just feel so much better about myself. About like when I, I when I'm running, I don't get as tired. I have like my energy is just so much better than it was like a year ago. So like I, I see myself continuing this journey and trying to get a little bit better at it. You know, I'm aspiring. I'm an aspiring vegan, so I sometimes I have my uh, setbacks a little bit. What can you do? What can you do? I ain't gonna report you to the yeah. vegan police, brother. It's all good. <laughs> right now, well, what I will say is interesting that you say that. Now, I don't know if you've seen our travel show. It's called Advantage Omar, and it centers around the tennis Grand Slam tournaments. We just got back from Paris from shooting in Roland Garros, where we ate. It was oh, it was, yeah. was kind of a little bougie, but it was nice. That was the whole point <laughs> is that we're showing that you don't have to do it in a, in a bougie way. It's just a lot right. of normal people running around Europe, just like there is here in the states. And uh, one of the things that we noticed was just getting back in the states, both of us had a reacclimation period of a little bit of sickness, which we attributed to the poisons that are being put into the food now here in the United right. States. Because unfortunately, I read this wonderful book by a guy named Michael Pollan. You might want to pick it up. It's called The Omnivore's Dilemma. And the guy's a little wordy, but he gets to the point, and once he finally gets there, it makes a lot of sense. You've always heard the term, you are what you eat. But right. it's not just that. We are what we eat eats. So even if you go organic and clean, but the organic and clean thing that you're eating is eating something that is genetically modified, you're now in a position to be consuming a genetically modified product that your body can't properly can't act, strip. Exactly. And it can't get the nutrients from, which in essence is fake food, which is a poison to your body, which results in the lethargy, which results in the non being able to get in your top condition and the whole song and dance. Just a filler. Yeah. Exactly. Because and that's one. We were just real quick, we were just over there. I mean, 
I'm eating cake. I'm drinking. Uh, eating bread all day. I'm wine. Bread, cheese. <laughs> the works. Man, I'm telling you, I'm living like I'm the king over there. <laughs> and I lost 10 pounds. Right. Wow. Yeah. Yes. And when you get back home, all of a sudden you end up with sinus infections and everything else. And this is a, just in the week. That's a serious problem, yeah. man. We really need to know what's going into our food. Now, did you see a visual difference other than the internal feel? Did the scale tell you any different? For for people who don't know, TJ, tell them your specs, man. Tell them how tall you are. Tell the people how tall you are, how much you weigh. I'm 6'7", 345 pounds. That's a big fella, That's a man. Big fella. You don't want no yeah. problems with that dude. Nose tackle, right? <laughs> uh, nose tackle, but I can play all across the line. Okay. Um. But some of the effect, like I lost a lot of weight. I was once the heaviest guy in the league weighing at, well, I started my journey at like 371 and my weight kept just fluctuating. I, like I, could, I, I didn't know how to get a hold of it. Then I just discovered this. And so I, I've noticed a lot of changes in my skin. My skin is becoming a lot clearer. I just wow. Like mm. bad at acne. Um, uh, I just... Now let me tell, you, tell me something. Have you have you incorporated any of the other wonderful health supplements? I'm a really big fan of unpasteurized apple cider vinegar. Have you ever have you incorporated that in your your program? The thing is, I I did at first, and then I started I, I started doing some reading and noticed that you shouldn't put like acid and all those type of things into your body. You know, because it doesn't it doesn't do the body well. They, it's it a, it's, some, it's tricky. It's it that's a that's yeah. a yes and a no. You don't want your body pH to become acidic, and that's alcohol. But yes. right? but there's there are there the apple cider vinegar has a probiotic effect if you actually get the unpasteurized version, and there's a lot mm -hmm. of positive that it does as far as regulating your blood pressure, your blood sugar, and a lot of other stuff. So you got to do the research on it. But yeah, you definitely want to want to live in an alkaline state as opposed to an acidified state because that. That's where right. disease can grow and spread. To share my experience, when I made the movie Eight Mile, I busted my ankle and I was fresh out of college and I was the youngest one out of my friend circle. My guys all graduated and we all played sports every day, mostly basketball, a lot of running. I oh, you the who? Man, you, <laughs> come on, baby. You ain't the only big fella know how to move your feet. <laughs> and I, I tell you the truth, I was a better athlete. I'm about 6'6". Six, six. I was a better okay. athlete. The, my top weight was 383. And okay. and I was a better athlete when I was in my high threes than I am now in my high twos, to be honest. And then there's been an adjustment period of like the weight fluctuation that's very difficult of a coordination to deal with the people. I don't I, it's hard to explain to people what that's like, because um, that weight had been my weight my whole life. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And and at three eighty, um, it was a, it was it was difficult, but I was so young that it didn't have the same effect as it does now being a little bit older. So we used to we used to hoop and run a lot. Then all my friends graduated and I was left alone and just start eating. That's when I ballooned up and that's when I got the rolling eight mile. I'd stopped playing sports and moved into the entertainment field. Now in your situation right now, you're in between teams, correct? Right. So your last year uh last year was just with the Eagles or last year was with who? Kansas City. KC. KC was in the house. Yeah. Man, you guys had a squad. Y'all tricked, that was, man. That was a nice squad. Y'all yeah. tricked. I, I had picked you guys, too. Y'all made me look bad. <laughs> man, I'm, so, I'm sorry. We, we didn't mean to do so. Man, but you it, guys could have won. Yeah. Yeah. I it, it was a really good season, especially when I came in. We had just started to get on a little bit of a roll. A roll and uh, my first game was coming back to play Atlanta, and then we just got on like a big roll. 
winning against teams and teams and stuff. So I really enjoyed my time at KC. I, I hate that it had to come to an end, but the business, that's the way it is sometimes. And I'm just in the process of looking for a new team, you know. So, Well, you got the right team around you, so I, I'm very confident right, that you're going right, to yeah. land in a great place. What's Still your question, young. T? No, I want to ask him about his him being a vegan because one of the biggest things oh. is how do you feel about strength? Because do you feel like you lost any of your strength? And then also, I noticed that in the league, that was one of the biggest things that they were talking about with Colin Kaepernick because he turned into a vegan. They felt like he didn't have enough strength to do the job properly. I think that was smoke screen. I do too. I definitely well, think that, that, but that was a smoke I, screen for yeah, them to, to boycott to, to, him to boycott over him. his political stance, which was actually a human rights stance. Exactly. And we've already said we stand with Colin Kaepernick on that issue. Well, it is. I would say it is a smoke screen because – when when I was younger, it was Tony Gonzalez, who who's a vegan, and oh, he was really? advertising. Wow. Yes, yes. And I, I was watching watching him. He was doing like some type of thing on TV. I was like, "Ugh, he don't eat meat." I can never <laughs> do that. <laughs> I, I, I need I need my chicken and pork and whatever. And it's just crazy how I transitioned into the league now, and I'm like, I don't really touch his stuff. But um, yeah. I, I don't see myself losing strength. I, I actually feel like I got a lot stronger. Wow. Um, to be to be honest with you, and I'm, I've never really been like weight room strong. It's the term that they use. Growing up country strong, but I, I've seen my numbers like just jump in a way that it hasn't been in the past. Even from high school to college to you know, because that's when you're really working out, trying to push yourself to get the scholarships and or get that uh, playing time in uh, in college. But I've never seen my numbers jump from bench to from a clean squat um, like they have now. So, like I, I would say, I will continue to do this on until I retire and, and for the rest of my life. Wow! Wow, that that's awesome, man. Yeah. It's awesome that you found yeah. it so young in your life. Now, as far as your aspirations go, man, there's a lot going on in the league nowadays about concussions, about safety. Uh, how do you feel about your physical, where you are now physically? I know you do a lot of work when it comes to uh, um, informing the public about diabetes and so on and so forth. What's your stance on on the physical nature of it? Obviously, you make a lifestyle change with the veganism, but what's your stance on on the vis- the physical safety in the league versus making the game of football itself too soft versus where you are for your life after football? Well... As far as making the game too too soft, I feel like it's getting to a point where us as the defenders, we can't really do much. You get a little bit hesitant once you get like uh, rough in the past. Like I've seen Tom Brady get flags thrown for him if you even just breathe on him. No you know? doubt so about it. No doubt yes. about it. No doubt yeah. about it. The it's league is obviously crazy. biased for it, and I'll say what you may not be able to say. The league is mm-hmm. obviously biased towards offense, and they're obviously biased toward their, toward their golden boys. There's no no I two mean, ways about I, it. And I understand because, you know, that's their money makers and whatnot, but I remember when I was playing for the Jets, there was a player, I'm not going to say his name, but he just he blew past him, did not touch him, just blew past him, and he uh, and Tom Brady fell down, and he looked at the ref and threw his hands up. It was like, what the heck? And then the ref pulled up. Uh, and the ref know, was like, oh, sorry, Tom. I didn't know. I'm sorry. I didn't know you needed a flag there. My bad. Right. And I was like, what? That's how it goes? As far as, like, the league and concussions, I've never, knock on wood, never had a concussion wow. out of my, what, 12 years playing football, but – I feel like you, you take that risk 
you know, wait a minute, you know, you, you, you know what you're getting yourself into as far as like concussions, injuries, and whatnot. I, I do like the fact that we're getting a lot more knowledge about um, the effects that they're having, but I knew the risk when I signed up to play football. I wanted to go to, I wanted to find a way to pay for school because I didn't have any. Mm. Uh, my parents weren't going to pay for me to go to school. It was either this or you go to community college and I wanted to see the world. And this was the only opportunity that I had. So I was like, all right, cool. I might take some lumps on the head or some injuries on the way, but this is my way out of enterprise Alabama. This is my way out of mm. poverty. So I knew what I was signing up for. And I, I, I wouldn't take a different route. You no know, if, if I, if I can go back, I mean, I had grades and stuff, but, Schools weren't looking at me that way. Like, all right, cool. We can you can come play for us. I'm like, all right, cool. Bet I'm there. I'm there. But oftentimes, what you're saying, and I think this is this serves to be true all the time in all sports, especially, is that the alternate is even more dangerous than the actual game. And you right. see that with a lot of professional fighters and boxers and and football players and you know everything's like, hey man, the other options weren't really that tantalizing. I can take my chances. Uh, and I'm wearing equipment in this scenario, as opposed to the, the oftentimes the the streets or the hard the the hard knocks are are completely and totally unfiltered. Well, exactly. I'm glad that things are working out for you, man. Tell, talk to me about the charitable work with the uh, with the Diabetes Foundation. Well, the thing is, like diabetes, it hits so many. I, I've gone I've gone around and talked to a lot of people, and I've never not known someone like diabetes has hasn't affected. And it's crazy that, you know, nearly about 30 million people have diabetes in this country and about 86 million people have pre-diabetes, which is like uh, their blood pressure, their blood sugar is high, uh, higher than normal, but not higher enough to get to type 2 diabetes. And that's what that's what's scary because you don't even know that you're at risk. You know, like, oh, yeah, it's a little bit high. But what people aren't really telling you, you're you're getting closer and closer to getting like type two. So, um, but what I do is really just, well, what I've done with like, especially with my dad, really just because he has uh, type two. I let him know like, Dad, you need to switch from eating pork, that fried chicken, those those greens, all that southern hospitality food into. A, a lot of clean eating. Yeah, the comfort foods. And and ultimately, yeah. it's a lot like what we were talking about. Even with those foods, because diabetes definitely touched our family. I actually did an episode of Law & Order about diabetes for that reason. And yet at the same time, the thing that I've noticed is I, I our father is almost 80 years old, and he eats pretty much everything. He's from Mississippi, yeah. and he eats everything. And, and now, But what he does as well is he grew up on a farm. And so the food that he eats and ate was all organic. And so right. with that, your body can strip it of what it's supposed to have. I'm a real believer, as you can tell, that that these uh these GMOs and whatnot are they're, they're killing us, man. They're yeah. really killing us. Right. It doesn't all but, of the um, processing of the foods is not natural and it really, really kills us. Exactly. But the biggest thing that I do is I talk to kids because I understand like a lot of older folks are stuck in their ways and it was like I'm I'm still gonna eat this bacon. Right. So I, I talk to a lot of kids and just try to like even if they choose not to even if they choose to eat meat, to eat clean, you know, to eat eat, eat their vegetables, to put more greens on their plate, surround themselves with greens and stuff. And that's one thing as a kid that I really did a good job of is always eating my greens, carrots, peas and 
I couldn't get enough of it. And it's crazy. I, I spoke at this uh, academy uh, back in KC, um, and to know that about all of their kids are vegan, and that just blew my mind. I, I, like I've never seen kids not run up to run up to the uh, run up in a barbecue like, hey, I want a hot dog or whatever. Like these these kids do not eat meat, wow. either vegetarian or straight vegan. But yeah, that's what I do. I just really just try to talk to kids and try to groom them into, all right, if you're going to eat meat, then all right, this is the route that you go, or you can come to my side and just eat just strictly vegetables and stuff. So and that's what that's what that's the main thing that I really do is just try to preach the kids about clean clean eating. Well, if they see a big strong fella like you, the kids are a sponge, you know, and they right. they're gonna want to be like you. They see you on TV, they see you in the league, and they see you preaching that good uh, that good news. You lay that gospel out on them, and it's gonna be effective. TJ, glad to have you, man. You are now officially a friend of the Ozone. Can you tell the people where they can find you on social media? Yeah, they can find me on Twitter at I L L U M A N I N E T Y. That's Illuminati on Twitter and Instagram. So yeah, that's where you guys can find me. All good. All right, brother. Thanks for uh, chiming in, and, and we really can't wait to see where you land. I hope it's with the Raiders and you bring a championship to the squad. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely appreciate, appreciate you guys having me. All right, TJ. No Later. Come on, folks. Where else can you get in-depth interviews like this? Are you kidding? From Live from the horse's mouth. And by the horse, I mean the vegan grass-chewing horse. <laughs> you understand no, what I'm saying? No corn. No corn. At least if it is, make it natural. No GMO corn. I want to leave you with a wisdom quote here, folks. And it's from Lao Tzu. Be careful what you water your dreams with. Water them with worry and fear, and you will produce weeds that choke the life from your dream. Water them with optimism and solutions, and you will cultivate success. Always be on the lookout for ways to turn a problem into an opportunity for success. Always be on the lookout for ways to nurture your dreams. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for rocking with the Ozone. I am your host, Omar Miller. This is my brother, Terry Miller, and we are signing out. Ozone. Ozone.